I'm Andrew Haynes, and this is the Fair Game Podcast, the place where we talk about all things golf. We finally reached the weekend of the 150th British Open, and making a tournament of this magnitude run smoothly is no small feat. There are tons of people behind the scenes that are tirelessly working around the clock toward that common goal. We met up with a few of them to hear their stories and get their perspectives on the gear, the course, the content, and the fan experience. Let's start at the Titleist Tour Truck with Aaron Dill. Having a short game is crucial on a course like St. Andrews, and the Titleist team has been literally grinding all week to help the players perform their best. Let's get started. I'm here with Aaron Dill of Titleist. Mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna talk about wedges. Yes. So we are live at the range, guys are hitting balls, getting ready. Maybe let's start, tell us a little bit about when you started working with Titleist and what exactly you do. That was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> I started with Titleist in 2005, I think it was. I started working for Bob Vokey in 2007. So I've been on the road for quite some time. When I first started, I was working on this mobile tour van, very similar to this, but much, much smaller. And we were working with consumers up and down the west coast of California, awesome. Arizona. And then I got to know Bob there. And Bob said, hey, love to have you come out and work on tour with me, do some wedge stuff. and I, course i couldn't i couldn't resist so For i've been sure. doing that ever since but this is this is the the weekly role that we have you know we come out to these tour events we help these guys find tools wedges soles grinds that, that fit what the golf course is looking for what players techniques are looking for and this is one of those unique venues where it's kind of a test that you know you don't see very often so you know it takes a little bit of time to get used to the conditions the the fescue the firm soil and find bounces and grinds that really make sense. For sure. Okay, so for the average golfer out yep. there that's watching, some people may know about bounce, but some yep. want, if you wanted to break it down very simply, what does bounce mean for the average golfer? So I'll give you I'll give you two answers. Great. The first answer is going to be complicated. It's it's a combination of of angles that we measure with protractors. It's a it's a combination of different depths, widths, all kinds of different measurements that we use to to create a sole that fits certain types of players' needs, conditions, you know, so if it's soft, we increase those numbers. If it's firm, we take some off. So, you know, it's a combination of different numbers. And when you see them on paper, it's very confusing. The easier answer is it's a series of, of grinds or shaping that allows a wedge to have versatility or to give it forgiveness. So, you know, trying to find that perfect balance is really, really important in wedge play. You can't have one that's really good in one spot and poor in another. You have to find, you know, a, a solar or a grind that really fits everything that you want to do. And when you look at all the stuff that we bring out here, mm -hmm. you realize it's really not that simple. There's a lot of different things you have to have yes. uh, and a lot of different options. This is just all our, our current SM9 models, um, not just our standard stock 23 SKUs that we have in our, in our line, but also a handful of exotic things. Um, heads especially built for this week here at St. Andrews, you know, some things that, that the guys would normally use that are really, really fitting conditions here. Uh, but you have to have this gamut of different things because it really is important. You have to find that perfect balance. For sure. Okay, so for me, I just got the SM9s. Mm -hmm. I play, no, I'm a 13 handicap, average golfer. Yeah. If I break 90, I'm happy on a good day. I play a K-bounce, right? So mm -hmm. somewhere in the middle. But these guys are obviously a lot better than that. So for them, they're getting super dialed in. Uh, we were following Adam for the first couple of days out here, and he had a couple 60s. He had a K-bounce. Mm -hmm. He had an M. I want to say he had a T as well. Mm -hmm. um, how many different bounces do you guys make? <laughs> we, we make a lot. It's hard to put a number on it. You know, the cool thing about this job is that those grinds, the, the things that we're trying to do, mm -hmm. it always evolves and changes. So I can't say, oh, you know, we make 
we make 13. The right. reality is we make whatever you want. Right. We're a custom shop. You know, we'll use Adam as a great example of somebody who's really, really intelligent. He's very golf savvy. Um, and he, he's, he goes through the motions of trying to find the perfect thing for him. Sure. And sometimes that means you have to carry four or five different options yeah. because things just change. You know, right. one, one day it's firm, one day it's soft, and you need to make sure you have the, you know, the right combination of sole for, for those conditions. Got it. Now, with the sole. So yeah. once these guys identify, okay, I would like an F or an M or a yeah. K, um, from there, what is, what is the next step? Well, for, from there, it's, it's understanding, is this really the right one for you? Mm -hmm. So you have to ask a series of questions. Before I even give somebody a, a wedge or a grind, I, I got to ask them some questions. I need some answers. I can make anything in here you want. doesn't mean it's going to work. Right. So I'll ask, you know, how's the golf course? Is it firm? Is it soft? Well, it's firm this week. Okay, well, let's talk about the bunkering. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're getting all these different answers to these different questions. And it's, in my mind, it's helped me diagnose and figure out which one is you know, really the best fit for, for those sorts of things. Right. And then one really important question is, what's a place you struggle in? If we can make that place a little bit better, yeah. everything else sort of falls into place. Interesting. It's, it, to, with wedge play, it's, it's funny. You, you start to lose confidence in one place, and it sort of bleeds into the rest of the short game. And, and what, what was once a, a quick, uh, very confident swing is now a slow, deliberate delivery, and you lose spin, you lose trajectory. Yeah. And so not only are you helping these guys fix that one problem area, mm -hmm. but as they do that, now the speed picks up, ball goes a little higher, has a little more spin, so right. everything is sort of falling into place. And then you can maneuver from there. So I, I like to ask a lot of questions. Once I get those answers, I can help sort of dial guys in. Um, this week especially is very unique because it's St. Andrews, it's firm, it's right. dry, there's no rain. It's, you know, it's not windy yet, but I imagine at some stage we're going to get a little breeze and that, that could make it even even firmer. Definitely. So um, you're working, we kind of crashed your, your working moment. <laughs> uh, you're, this machine here, what yep. exactly does this do? So this is like my best friend. This is my grinding area. Um, the Burr King. The Burr King, yeah. yeah. Is this any correlation, random side note, uh, so I've heard of Burr, Burr grinders as in coffee. Yeah. Is there, a, are those the same company or completely different? I don't think so. They could be. Yeah, I mean, it would, it would make sense to me. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, for, for, for what we're trying to do, we're going to start here on this wheel. This is a much firmer wheel. This belt's a little more aggressive. Yep. So if you're trying to remove some weight, you're mm -hmm. trying to take a lot of, let's say, the heel grind out. So if we took a wedge, like for this weekend, guys, like, oh, man, it's really firm out there. Sure. We're going to start here with this wheel, and we're going to polish the section down. Mm -hmm. That's going to remove some of the bounce, and then we'll transition into a softer wheel and into a finishing wheel. Got it. Interesting. So we're just kind of moving our way down the line. Cool. You want to go ahead and show Can you yeah. show us a little grinding action? Absolutely. I'm actually going to take the loft off of this one here. This player, um, he likes to have a little bit less offset. Okay. But he also wants low bounce, so we're going to start with the T. Got it. And we're going to actually remove this section here. Um, so we can restamp it with his new loft, which is going to be 62. Interesting. So, not a not a complicated thing to do, but certainly a nice little touch for for him and what he's looking for. Nice safety so, first, kids. Yeah, so safety Put your first. Gloves, on. gloves, glasses, and ventilation. Very, very important to have good ventilation. You see it? There nice. you have it. There you go. Right. Not very complicated. Sure. And again, you know, you're trying to find you're trying to find the sweet spot, right? Sometimes you don't know. It takes some time. Right. Uh, and that's that's where you know having that opportunity to work with guys, ask those important questions, get out and test together, can lead you in a direction that makes a lot of sense.
For sure. Now, quick question. I've seen, I mean, I'm a Vokey player. I've seen lots of Vokey wedges out there. Mm -hmm. Do you know, like, how many guys in the field play play tireless wedges? Oof. It, de it depends. Sure. So week to week, as, as the venues change and as the, field, the fields change, you could have, I've had as many as 96 players in a wow. 156 field. So if you're, you know, talking full fields like that, 90, right. between 90 and 95, I think it's pretty common. For sure. Yeah. Interesting. So close to 300 pieces. Right. right. So that tells you guys like these wedges a lot. Yeah. It definitely, it definitely is nice to, to be able to work with a product that people love. And For sure. Keeps you plenty busy. There you go. Now, one last question. Yeah. For the average golfer out yeah. there that is curious about tinkering with, with grinds, I have mm -hmm. a few friends that, you know, every time I see them, they have a new club in a bag. They've got new putters, new wedges. They're playing mm -hmm. with this one. I changed my 60 to a 62. Yeah. I'm K this week, T this week. What is the best way for someone, if they do want to explore and tinker out with grinds, the best way to do that? Go get fit. I don't think that, I don't think that golfers spend enough time focusing on fittings with wedges. Mm. I think it's really easy and very common to get driver fittings. Sure. Um, you know, sometimes it's an iron fitting or a putter fitting, but with wedge play, the shots that you hit are so different all the time. Right. And so it's really important that you have a, a, a matrix of wedges that fits you, fits the golf courses, fits your mistakes, right. fits your strengths and weaknesses. You know, trying to find that perfect balance is hard to do, mm -hmm. especially, you know, if, if you're going to be shopping a little bit. Um, it, I think it's a much better idea for players to go to a place where they can test and try different grinds and, right. and lofts. Um, that way, when, when the fitting's completed, you know really what fits you and more importantly, why. Totally. Um, instead of having to go and buy a million different things, <laughs> go through the very depressing, right. you know. Why did I buy six wedges? Yeah, right? why, did, why did I do that? I didn't need right. to do that. You know, I, I will say out here, um, one of the things that the guys do out here that's really, really smart is they will build a matrix. And let's say it's a <coughs> pitching wedge, gap wedge, sand wedge, lob wedge. They'll, mm -hmm. they'll choose so, a... Just that sure. They'll choose it. a pitch, a gap, and a sand wedge. Right. And once they, once they have that setup mm -hmm. they net they hardly ever change it right it's rare and take a take a golf course like this to really you know require a change right um but the lob wedge is where they get a little bit more creative interesting and they have maybe one or two or three options outside of the normal gamer that they might carry with them just to sort of see which one fits that golf course the best because that's the one that requires um the most versatility in terms of how you hit it how you open up the face and so those guys will carry multiple models to prepare for right. a, a, a challenging golf course like this. Awesome, cool. Well, uh, we've got a driver that's about to get cut. Yeah, so thanks for the time. Yeah, it's absolutely. And, um, Anytime. We'll see you out there. <laughs>
and then I've been back on it for 22 years. Nice. Non-stop. And then how long have you been on Adam's Bag? I've only been on Adam's Bag since the beginning of the year. Got it. So nice. Six, seven months now. And, and then can you tell us a little bit about your experience with not only St. Andrews, but just with open courses in general? Yeah, it's a very di different form of golf. It's link style golf is so weather dependent. Um, so you will see golfers playing shots that you don't normally see them. You know, they'll be hitting four irons from 180 yards when a normal four iron goes 220, 230 yards, you know. And they'll be playing low shots, high shots, bump and run shots. Um, really uses using the land as an advantage. Uh, so it's it's really fascinating. It's a brilliant form of golf. For sure. Obviously, you don't want to play it year in and year out. Right. But uh, to come over and play a couple of weeks, it's amazing. What do you think is the, because uh, obviously this is not a very long course. No. It's peppered with bunkers. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, you know, as the tournament kicks off, what do you think they're going to do just to make the course play as difficult as possible for these guys? What well, do you think, keeping in mind? The, the prediction is the weather is going to be fantastic. The wind's not going to blow too hard. So the real protection comes now. First of all, they've got the course firm and fast. Mm -hmm. You know, so whenever it, the fairways are really firm and the greens are firm it's really difficult to judge how far anything will go sure because you can just get a bounce on a down downhill lie or an uphill lie. so you've got no control over the distance you can really hit it and the second option they have is really to have some pins tucked in places that you've probably never seen them before in st andrews and they will be you know the rna will be very smart you know with left to right winds they'll put pins on the left hand side you know, it's going to be right. difficult to get to and, and vice versa with right to left winds, they'll put pins on the right hand side. So that's going to be their biggest defense. Nice. Are there any specific holes that you have just mental notes to watch out for, trouble, you know, things like that? Or, or is it kind well, of like every hole is equal level? Well, obviously, you know, avoiding the bunkers is key. So you've got to know where those are and avoid them. But every morning before, we start, I'm going to come out and have a look at the pins to see exactly where they are, see what angles best to get at them, because um, I'll know which way the wind's going to be blowing. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's going to be the key, is to know exactly where the pins are, where you can miss it and where you can't miss it. Right. What's your favorite open venue that you've carried for? Yeah, without, without question, St. Andrews. Uh, just the whole vibe of the town is just amazing. It's a town which is so unique. It has, um, you know, it's a university town. It has students. It has many foreigners coming out to come see the home of golf. So you have so many tourists here. And then you just get massive golf enthusiasts coming here. So it's a mixture of, of everything with beautiful history involved. It's just my favorite place without question. The only town I've ever been to that I actually got goosebumps when I first arrived. That's cool. And then I saw that uh, your son came in yesterday. Yes. Uh, he plays golf. Is this his first time here? Yeah, it's his first time, yeah. What an amazing experience for him. That's awesome. Um, yeah, uh, I'm so fortunate to be able to bring him. Uh, Adam's been great, you know, he's helped us out with tickets and that. It's 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 fantastic. Uh, I'm sure it's a dream come true for him. He's a golf nut. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm proud to have him here. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for the time, man. That was great. Okay, done.
We'd been walking the course with Adam for a few days and noticed that he had a local caddy walking alongside him and his team. That man's name is Steve Jones, and he's been caddying at the old course for more than 20 years. That many years at a course like St. Andrews means you know where to put the ball. So we are just by the range here. It's the last practice day. Guys are getting warmed up. Um, and I've been following you and with Adam for the past few days. And um, there was also an article with Golf Digest where they were talking about, you know, advantages of St. Andrew. And one of those things is having that local experience. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience here and how long you've been caddying at, at St. Andrews? I originally come here in 2001, gave up my job to move from one end of the country to the other to come caddying. Been obsessed with golf for a long time, was never going to be good enough to play the game. Mm -hmm. This I seen was involved with golf at the next best area rather than striking the ball. So made a career out of it from that day to this, tell you the truth. Very, very lucky, met some fantastic people, movie stars, presidents, professional golfers, professional sportsmen, and people on their bucket list to St. Andrews. That's awesome. Yeah. It's one thing to stand on a tee box and look at a yardage book. This bunker is 225, right? But a lot of those factors where there is wind and then also from the local experience, you've been here for a long time. You know where to hit shots, right? Yes. So how do you provide that strategy to, to, to players where in terms of, okay, for example, on this hole, the wind has a tendency when it's blowing this way, it always does this. On a day like today, you need to play your shot here, right? Because sometimes you don't really learn that stuff unless you've either played here before and know how the course reacts. Like, how do you, how do you provide that insight? I think it's just from being here and walking around in all weathers. I mean, it can be from zero miles an hour in the morning, the wind, the tide will change, the wind comes up in the afternoon. You've got to be aware of it. Every day is a different day. To be honest with you, um, the, the weather changed so quickly here in St. Andrews. The wind is the important thing. A lot of the bunkers that you can't see off the tee. So I understand what you're saying. It's just a experience, I think, is the best thing. Is there one hole where, I'm just trying to think of like misconceptions where if there's one specific hole in the course where a lot of players have a tendency and it could be locals or amateurs where people may think for I'm making this up right for example 18 I have to hit driver right is there a specific hole in the course maybe there's one or two where the local like or if this is your first time playing the course you might walk up and say hey this is a driver or this is the next club and from the local experience you say no this, it's always a, it's always this does that make sense I think a lot of people come here to St. Andrews and they stand on the first tee with or without a caddy and they look down and think the course is a lot easier than what it is because the first hole being a double fairway with the 18th and there's no problems at all. There's no trees, there's no bushes, no, no bunker. The only problem you've got is your second shot on the first over the burn. So it's, you've got to be careful and you get lulled into a, a sense of security. You get to the second and you can't see the green. You, can't, you can just see the brow of the hill of Cheap's Bunker down the left-hand side. So the, the shot making, the tee shots, very important, but they can change on a 
day-to-day -day basis, it doesn't have to be driver on every hole. Some holes, especially for the Open Championship, driver is the way forward because you're taking some of the bunkers out of play completely. If you hit a three-wood for a safe shot, it's bringing the bunkers more into play. Like uh, 16, the principal's nose, you might be hitting just a medium iron, especially on a day like today, it's going to be a little bit downwind. The ground's got a lot harder. It's running like a true links course. So you've got to be aware of things like that. It's not just because it's a longish hole. You don't have to hit driver every time. It's plotting your way around the golf course nowadays. Right, for sure. Do you have a favorite hole on this course? I must admit, I think the 18, because it's iconic. You know, you've got the R&A on your left-hand side, big Hamilton Grand Hotel, the big red building right in front of you. Uh, it finishes in the middle of town. You've got all the, the, the sea on your left. It's a, it's a fantastic hole. It's a, you walk up there and you, you take a breath and you look around and you think, this, this is a nice place to be walking. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time. Okay, sir. Cool. If you're at home or at work listening to this, you've probably been on Instagram at some point seeing what's happening at the Open. Now, capturing content at these events for fans across the globe is a full-time job. And we met up with Ali Neglario of TaylorMade, who's been doing that for TaylorMade for almost a decade. I would say that Ali is probably one of the original content creators. So, some people might not know who you are, right? Yeah. You are the infamous Ali, right? The yeah, man, the man behind all of the TaylorMade content. I thought it'd be cool for us to talk because yeah. a lot of people don't realize, and I think it's an impressive feat where when fans aren't able to come to events, um, you know, you guys do a, a really awesome job of creating content that brings that experience to life where if I'm sitting in my living room in Ohio, I can still see everything from the gear, the players on the yeah. green. I'd love to hear a little bit about how did you start out at TaylorMade? Because um, I feel like also one, you guys are one of the first brands to really lean into content. Like, yeah, yeah maybe just start there. I, I, it's, it's, so I've been with TaylorMade for 10 years. Uh, but going to school, I went to San Diego State. I was supposed to be a bio major to be a dentist, like my mom. Amazing. Uh, two years in, I was like, uh, this is going to be like an eight-year journey if I want to go this route. <laughs> um, and I went to, I had to beg my mom to go to graphic design school. So then I learned graphic design, video, right. uh, web design. And then I got a job at competitor group. They do a bunch of marathon stuff. Same. And I would take photos at the finish lines and do graphic work at home, at, in the office. And then after three years, I was like, Okay, I'm done with this. Now it's time for me. I think I gained enough experience. Now it's time for me to actually pick a job that I want to work out, not just a job. For sure. So I went through the line of like Nike, yeah, Adidas, right. yeah. But then I want to move. Right. Uh, and then I was like, let's just go. Uh, I have Taylor Golf Clubs. That's what I grew up with. You know there what you I mean? go. Um, and I looked it up and I just said, oh, there's an open. So at that time in 2012, we were bringing. Uh, Ecom in-house because mm -hmm. I think it was always third party like T Mag. Right. Um, so they they had a small team that does graphics for the for ecom department. Um, whatever that was, I mean, it was like pretty websites. Twenty twelve are still kind of sketchy. You know what I mean? Very sketchy. Uh, but in that time of early social media mm -hmm. and ecom, I was taking. I was the only guy at TaylorMade taking photos. Really? As a hobby. That was a hobby thing. Right. People found out. They said, oh, can you just take a photo of this hat? And right. we put it on the website real quick. Instead yeah. of going through our like studio photography, 
which takes time. Yes. We're like, flip it up. We're Retouching. Like, yeah, I got it. Right. Yeah, so yeah. then I was the one guy in TaylorMade that people like reached out to to take photos for Econ. Cool. And it turned into this thing where like, oh, um, one of our early journal journalists and like slash social person at the time where we write stories and uh, Charlie Couts is like, you do a good job with photography. Like, here are the keys to Instagram. At the time, it was like 2013. Mm -hmm. We had 30,000 followers. Yep. Our Instagram page was all market, like heavy studio photography. Right. Retouched up. Everything's all white. Right. There's no like authenticity with the product. Sure. It was, I mean, we're no, people think we're a marketing company. We are. But like there was no life. It was just literally like all like touched up stuff. Right. So then I was the guy that would, when I would take photos of product, it would be in hand. Mm -hmm. Like what would it look like? You looking at my photos, what would it look like? In my hands, would make it feel like it's in your hands. Correct. You're, yeah, you're you know putting I mean? you're putting consumers in that experience. Yeah. So then that happened. I got the keys to Instagram. I yeah. was scared every time I had to post just a cool photo to thirty thousand. So fast forward, uh, almost ten, nine, nine, ten years later, our brand is at like one point five million. It's amazing. And we've we've I, I try to hold on to that account and keep it as lifestyle as I can. For sure. Instead of. But as you grow, people start to see it as, as social media grew. You have to throw in your marketing stuff in there of course. every now and then. But now it's like it's with the logarithms and all that stuff, things are changing constantly. You have to stick with it. And now we, we do iPhone videos, graphics, photos. Like It's just like across the board. We have content shoots that just we shoot everything in two days that like cover the whole year. Mm -hmm. It's these big productions and that's now what we do. We have a team now. How big is the team? Uh, we have uh, three other other creators. We have a producer and kind of like a manager. So there's five and a copywriter. Wow. So. And then, so with with an event like this, right, with the open, everybody's here, or are some people working? No, remotely? there's there's. So we get like two two credentials, pretty much. Uh, PGA, U.S. Open, the U Open. Right. Um, before it would just be me, but now we have the team, so we mix and match like who I think what pairs would go out. Sure. Um, and then we have normally someone at home. Mm -hmm. We have a social media coordinator that is uh, pushing the, the 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 tweet button. Yep. Um, it's like probably good. And then there's other people that are kind of like looking above top top level and seeing what we need to go. Sure. But everything is like scheduled. Before it's like, can we post this now? Can we right. post that now? But now now we're so like um, we're so smooth with what we do. And yeah. Everything is planned ahead. Everything is already planned. Like the big content pieces are already planned yeah. throughout the week. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and when we do these social things, there's if some of these photos and videos are already slotted in. Right. But there's 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 little windows that are, we are able to do like real time. For sure. And it, and stories allows us to just like right fast. throw things out. Right. Those are the things that like you want you want you want to share 50 photos, but you can on Instagram because it will be it will be. It won't be seen with the logarithms and everything. Right? right, totally. I mean, it's interesting because when you think of the different types of media where fans engage with, uh, with the tournament and the experience, yeah. some people are here, which is, has its own costs, travel, yeah. tickets, all that fun stuff. Then you have on-air broadcasts, which some people watch, but then yeah. some people aren't really yeah. into just being stuck with TV. Um, and then you've got social media, and then you've got YouTube, Instagram channels like that. From a tailor-made perspective, where do you guys see your fans engaging the most with your content? Like, which one of your channels do you think gets the, Instagram. Gets the biggest draw? Instagram's just everything right now. For sure. Uh, but biggest growth, uh, TikTok's coming up. 
and we've seen our YouTube just blow up. So we're, we're making long form videos, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. On YouTube. Uh, we chop them up for Instagram and yeah. we actually like tease it to go to the YouTube page. For sure. We don't, we don't, normally when we have long form on Instagram, we used to do like the full, uh, the full, remember IGTV? Yes. Those, those videos didn't bring in numbers. Right. It, it dies out. It's like, too long. Too long. No, no, no one watches that. That's what YouTube's for. For sure. People will be at home, be in their bed, be at work with YouTube on and they'll sit. If we're walking around here and trying to watch long form, you're over it. You're like over it, right. So we mix and match with what kind of um, audience is in each social media thing. Uh, For channel. sure. Even TikTok is like probably the, probably the younger demographic. Um, and one of our content creators is uh, one of the young guys. He, he knows TikTok in and you know, out. Yeah, because that so in we, itself we, is a beast. So we give him the keys. Nice. And it, believe it or not, it's blowing up. That's and I'm, fantastic. I'm really resistant to, to joining it. <laughs> We're old, man. I know. I'm, I'm so resistant. But I have an account, but like, I, I kind of don't want to go in there. Sure. I don't want, I don't know. I don't know what I, I mean. Maybe because how TikTok is. It's kind of like raw. Yeah. Not touched up. I'm so used to being things being like edited correctly. Right. Fonts in a line, balance. Right. You're creative. You know what I mean? Like I can't see. I think any graphic designer can't handle. TikTok. No, I can't. Yeah. Unless it's unless you, you do your edits right. at home before you put on TikTok. Right. right. But then that defeats the purpose of being on TikTok. And that defeats the perfect purpose of good gear, like good cameras. Right. Yeah. And that's what like things what we see now with Instagram is um, our iPhone videos are performing better than the full you, produced. If I put a swing video of you, yeah, and a swing on my on my red or my right. Sony slow mo well, high res. No, not even slow mo. Slow mo's don't perform. You put just real time speed. Yeah, got sound. Huh. Your impact versus iPhone. iPhone always is better for some. Why reason. do you think that is? This maybe it relates because it feels. I want to maybe it feels more real. It's because you know it came off of someone's iPhone. Right. I don't know. It's weird. But as a creative like me that knows gear, like, I want to see, like... I'm like, I want resolution. Yeah. Right. I need to see, like, give me the good stuff. Right. I don't need to see depth of field. I need to see all I that. I know. Right. I like a little out of focus in the background. Yeah. Right. Which you can't get with an iPhone. You kind of can. Oh, now you can. Right. That's the thing. It's just like... The cinematic feature, which, uh... Ugh. I know. But being able to do it on your iPhone and send it to someone instantly is, like, that's the key. Right? Yeah, for sure. Especially out here. Like, if they need a shot... Right. You take the shot on your iPhone, you flip it back. On the, the good camera, you'd be like, okay, get, I have right. to send it in a couple hours. SD card, do the thing. Yeah. Right, right, right. You have to finesse it, which I'm, I love. Sure. Just, but that, that's there's part no of the process. fast turnaround. Right. So it's interesting that like you guys are adapting where, and I'm guessing at this point, because you're, you're seeing what types of things perform yeah. and what things don't, you guys are adapting to that. Numbers don't lie. Yeah. I mean, say that, I mean, it's just what it is. For sure. If you look at numbers versus our competitors, uh, we dominate. Why? Why change? And you just have to adapt to the, the change of numbers. Right. Yeah. And that you can numbers game. Why? I mean, I do understand. Like every now and then, you want a passion project and put up this creative thing, which we do every now and then. Like right. if we need something that like is that Rick Shields? What's up, guys? Rick Shields. What's up, brother? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Sorry, it's Austin. Oh. Oh, <laughs> That's what funny. Are you talking about? <laughs> I'm gonna record that. Oh, I record. I'm putting it on my YouTube channel. Uh, what did Rick Shields just say? What? That was good. The best hitting drive, hottest driver on tour. All right, guys. Hey, brother. Rick, Rick Shields just later, man. 
Rick Shields just uh, interrupted our podcast. We may leave this in there. It's pretty funny. Um, let's talk about players for a little bit. Yeah. So obviously we're looking at a bunch of tour bags here. Colin, Dustin, Robert McIntyre. Uh, I don't want to butcher. Hao Tong. Hao Tong Lee. Bogard, yeah. um, Tommy yeah. Fleetwood, and then Lucas, right? Um, and then we've got the one and only Mr. Woods. Um, when you're shooting, obviously sometimes you're, you've got a big lens, you're far away. Sometimes you're kind of like in the mix. Yeah. Do you have relationships with a lot of these players? I, I, I think my value and my thing with this company is I, my relationships with these players. Sure. Um, when I first started, it was kind of like tippy-toeing around everyone. But as things went on, I understand what I was doing for the company, what I was doing for them too. Because every now and then I'd take photos and be like, hey, I have some photos if you want to use them. Right. They would take it and use it for their social. Mm -hmm. um, but I repeat to everyone that goes on tour, some of the new guys are on, are on team, like relationships are everything. I've learned that through some of the tour guys that, used to, that I would hang out with um, starting at TaylorMade on how their relationships were. But um, that's everything. How, what if some random person was out there shooting? Wouldn't right. it be weird? Yeah, you just wouldn't feel comfortable. But like getting in someone's face, that's just really like, Crossing the line, right? Mm -hmm. But what if I was your friend? Like, do whatever you want, right? Right, totally. It's simple as that. It's as simple as that. Who's your favorite? To oh work man, with? too many favorites. Let me give you like a top three. I mean, you could just say Tiger. Like Tiger. I mean, I remember when we first started. Um, I was like, we're never ever gonna assign Tiger or Rory. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And th that those days happened. Yeah. So I mean, of course Tiger. Sure. I mean, he's the guy that you grew up playing. Why? One of the reasons why you grew up playing with like your dad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, that's a trick question, dude. <laughs> uh, I would say probably in no in no order. We're not. There's no hierarchical order. Here, let me here. just tell you. Yeah, my relationship with all the guys that like sure. I'm familiar with. Okay. Um, Tiger, I was there when we first shot him, and we announced him on our team. Mm -hmm. So he knows my face. I remember that shoot. Um, that was he, epic. He, he's interesting. When you're on the course, game face. He knows you're there. Won't say hi. Won't make eye contact. Game face. Don't want me to step off the course, yeah. Right. But like, I'll get a little hello here now and then. But it took years for him to do that. But I just did, I just worked hard and kind of just like did my thing. They notice, they see it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They know who you are. He knows who I am. So that that's that's tired. That's just like, I do my thing. I don't need I don't need him to say hi to me. I know right. what I know what's up. You know, he sees you. That's relationship, right? Right. Um, and then we have. I mean, we could go down to like DJ. Yeah. Um. Chambers Bay, me and uh, one of our old tour, tour reps, KP. Yeah. Um, we were close with them. He had us over for one of the, like, for dinner and watching the Tabs finals game. That's cool. Yeah. That's like next step. And then right. I would help them with their photography. For like, sure. Hey, DJ, here's some photography for your guys or for your social media. Right. You know what I mean? So that's DJ. So we're close. Um, close with his, his manager. So when you kind of get these wishes, not just the player and their agents, mm -hmm. it's a whole other thing. For sure. Uh, Rory. I was there when we first signed them and we did the bag change before players like four years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a new father with two ki two young kids. He has a daughter, so we talk about that. Right. Um, same with Sergio, like our, our kids and his kids are the exact same ages. Right. Um, and I was on a shoot with him at Beth Page and we did like this ambush. We're like, I'm Sergio and we're giving <laughs> out drivers to everyone on the range. I was his caddy that That's day. That's funny. You know what I mean? Like yeah, little yeah. things like that. like. You, and you just got to say hi to them as you walk, when you see them, just like the relationship, you don't like, 
you can't be starstruck. Yeah, because the they're it's... regular people. They are. Right. Which, um, I mean, it's hard to forget as a fan. Yeah. Right, because we see these people and it's and like... You think, yeah. Oh. I do get starstruck every now and then. But sure. like, to me now, they're friends. And then you have Colin. I remember he, um, yeah. we signed him 2019. He qualified for uh, Pebble Beach uh, uh, US Open. I was like, who is this kid? Mm -hmm. You just get to know him. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's cool. He's a Southern California kid. And then in um, uh, Hawaii, we did the Sony Open maybe it was 2018. Um, we did this. I was like, hey, let's go eat. I know you're a foodie. I'm a foodie. After your practice round, let's go eat. That's I'll great. film it. We'll yeah. make it a cool video. And it kind of took off. We call it Tori Eats with Colin Morcala. That's fantastic. We got poke. We got shade advice. And at the same time, I just filmed him eating, talking about the food, and then just asking some tour questions that like you or me would want to ask. Them. I mean, it's interesting because, I don't know, you see what a lot of guys are doing from, from a social perspective. And look, golf swings will always perform. Yeah. Epic shots will always perform. But there is something interesting happening in golf where it's about that still. But it's, to your point, like that other side of them is like, regular humans yeah, off, off the well, course you only see through photography their finishes right you only see what you see on tv you see nothing else it, sure sir sure sergio got some bad rap with media like through his career but like when i got to know him he was probably one of the best guys i would tell people he's probably one of my favorites at the time like but then we have all these other people coming it's like everyone's my favorite right now. they're all cool but like Sergio Garcia was one of the coolest. He comes up to me, says, hi, how's the family? That's great. That's the biggest thing. You ask me how my wife and my kids are doing, you're forever my right. favorite. you're homie. You're not walking by and just brushing me off. That's awesome. So That's relationships great. are everything. You know what I mean? I agree. So uh, we've got one more practice day. Yeah. What does the rest of the week look like for you guys? So we have a, we have a big shot list, um, more, uh, mix of every player, uh, what's in their bags. Um, some features of the golf course like bunkers uh we're on the street we're on the streets that it's playing fast so we're doing some trying to find ideas to show how fast it is yeah um like today the wind we're showing off how the wind is um and then tomorrow just finishing up that shot list if there's any players that we need more attention to because mm -hmm. we have a lot of uk players out here too right. so we have to give them attention. And you want to bounce it off we need we need photos of them so they'll come out there's, there's so many players and not enough people for to sure shoot. So, I mean, we'll focus, we focused Tiger check. Yep. We got a lot of Roy check. Mm -hmm. Colin, uh, former Open Championship Player of the Year check. Got to get that, yep. Um, so now it's just more of the guys that we can get. For sure. Um, and we'll piece together any, any B-roll stuff I shot out here. There's a lot more B-roll I'm going to shoot. Put a piece together and probably post it later this week. Awesome. The hype piece. Um, buy some merch because... You always have to get the merch at tournaments that you go to. Have to. I you went to the to shop You have to get a flag already. because yep. you never know who's going to win if you know them. Yep. Um, like even when Colin won uh, Royal St. George last year. Right. I didn't go because COVID. Uh, first thing I did is I bought a flag off eBay. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? I got a sign. There you go. You know what I mean? Right. Now it's epic. I yeah. bought a flag and I'm like, should I go harass Adam and ask him to sign it? Just in, just in case. I might. Um, uh, if you do, oh uh, yeah, he's gonna have to win it though. That's true. It, it, it's better to it's, wait until after. It's, I got it's probably, some good flags. It's probably bad juju. I to have do some. It. No, it's not bad juju. I, I mean, I have a bunch of flags that I don't know that. I mean, I'm not close with the people that won it. Sure. You can always get find someone that can get a sign for you, but like, it's not. Right. You have to. The side ones have to be the ones that they win. Yeah, that's true. And then what they have to do, you 
you have to ask them to personalize it. I know. So all mine say to Ollie, like Tiger Sign, Masters to Ollie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Day, who's he, who's a buddy who used to be Team Taylor Made. New one, Whistling Straits. Uh, he put a score down. DJ Epic. Oakmont. Yeah. I remember he got that final stroke at the end. Yeah. The, so I, it was like, I probably put seven under or whatever it was. Cross it out and put uh, like eight under <laughs> or whatever it was. That stroke That's good. Thing. That's good. Um, oh, yeah. And then Tiger, did, I, we said number 15. Strong. I put number, he put number 15 on it mm-hmm. for his 15 pages. Strong. So where do you keep the flags in your house? I have an office and... Um, we moved our we moved our office to the loft. Yeah, we have this wall behind me. They're pretty. It, it, it's all the majors that are ter- big tournaments that they've won. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm running out of space. Yeah, I, ha- I got a master's flag signed by Scotty Scheffler recently. Sick. I'm running out of space. You're running out of space. So I don't know what to do. Right, bigger house, more wall, bigger, bigger house. house, bigger house in San Diego. Right, maybe put them in the kids' room. I, or something. I don't know if that's gonna. Right. Let's, let's put them high up so the kids can't reach. Uh, it's like all my flags there are like, I mean, it's probably like, I probably have 15 flags. It's already popped the bottom. That's awesome. Flags are huge. And then you get the frame, it's huger. Yeah, because you have to frame it. Yeah. It looks great. Yeah, you have to frame and it. And that adds another like six inches each, each side. Way. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right, man. Well, thanks for the time. That was fun. The sun doesn't set in Scotland this time of year until well past 10 p.m. So after the course closes, fans are still looking for something to get into. James Day, the co-founder at Sounder, has created a one-of-a-kind experience at the Scores Hotel, an iconic spot right off the 18th green to keep golf fans engaged. Here's the conversation. I'm sitting here at the Sounder pop-up at the Scores Hotel with James Day, one of the co-founders at Sounder. How are you, man? I'm okay. Yeah, we've had a hard few weeks to get to this point yeah um we actually op- we we've reopened the scores hotel was closed um i think it must have closed in probably march mm. and uh, it, a friend of ours who bought the hotel um was who has grand plans for it yeah um uh, who closed the hotel and was going to do huge renovations and part of his planning permission to do those renovations was that he wasn't allowed to start till after the open <laughs> uh so uh, we sort of saw an opportunity and with a friend of mine tom Tom Ettridge, who I can see in the garden now, finally mm-hmm. enjoying himself. There he is. Um, who lives in St. Andrews and is a brilliant golfer. Nice. Um, we decided to try and reopen the hotel for a couple of months. There you go. And, uh, so. and I've noticed, because I've been, I stayed here for about a week, and I've noticed that uh, there's a lot of modern art, there's graffiti, there's photography. You guys are really adding this layer of design, which I think I've never seen in this town before. Yeah. Um, how'd that come into to fruition? Um, well, Cathal, who's my business partner in Sounder, is, um, is a fashion guy, so he has a clothing brand called Folk. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of met because um, he was getting back into his golf. You know, his kids were getting older, he's starting to play again. Yeah. And I make clubs uh, in London. I've got an indoor golf place in London where I'm, and I'm a club maker as really? well, sort of on the side. Um, so he came to see me to have some custom clubs made. Nice. And I'd always been a fan of Folk clothing. Um, so because he's in the fashion business, he knows lots of people in art and he's from Scotland, he's from Glasgow. Mm-hmm. So he had some, some great young guys come in here and do, um, do this graffiti and make that sort of stone bench that's out there and do the signage on the front. Nice. So, yeah. And can we pause for a second and talk about the clubs that you make? So do you make a, every club or irons or wedges or what do you I make? do like, Cutters. um, so I have a bit of really uh, overall, a, belief about the way that the game of golf has gone and I believe that a lot of the art craft and um, 
intuitive stuff in the game is being sort of taken out by this uh, numbers-driven, play-what-the-pros-play, marginal-gains type situation. So I've always loved golf equipment. I mean, I've, I've been in golf my whole life. Um, I wanted to be a pro golfer. Nice. I was a, I was a crappy pro, PGA pro, <laughs> teaching and stuff before I started my indoor golf business. But I've always made clubs. Um, and I just have got to a point now where I have a slightly different way of fitting. Um, sure. And I still do like old school kind of sole grinds and stuff like that. So I do um, I do a lot of the kind of Japanese stuff like Mura, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fujimoto. And when it comes to woods, and um, so with woods, I quite like going a little bit old school. So yeah, how old school? I, well, I don't, I mean, I play quite a lot of golf with persimmon, but if I'm, if I'm gaming, it's, I don't think things got much better after like TaylorMade R7. Uh, really? Yeah. So basically you think it just kind of plateaued from there? Yeah, well, I've, I play this, I've got this beautiful driver that I love uh, with, the, with a very modern shaft in and I've done my work on it. It's the, it's the end of the chat for golf for yes. drivers for me. <laughs> um, and it's an R7 Super Quad and it's the yeah. 282, which was a bit nerdy, but it's one that they made for the tour, which is a bit more fade bias. Mm -hmm. And I just love that club. And I think the only driver that I think is really good over the last few years is this, the new Titleist TSI driver. So I made one of those up, and I really love that driver. And if with, I, I would fit that driver to customers all day long. Sure. But the difference I found was I just didn't know where it was. I, I didn't have as much uh, ability to know where I'd hit it and where it was going. Right. And, and because I haven't done the thing of gradually changing driver, I, always haven't, I also haven't gone through that process of gradually adjusting. So it's quite a big change for me. And I went straight back to my L7. There you go. Even though I think that Titleist driver is Look, a great driver. If it works, yeah. yeah. If it works. I, I love hitting it. That's the thing. That's it. I love hitting it. And, and I think that's something that gets forgotten these days when people are chasing something that's forgiving or goes further. Yeah. You know, do, what do you really love hitting? You know, don't use it because you think you should use it. Right. Think about what you really love. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about Sounder because uh, some people may know about the brand. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how it came into existence and like what are you guys are? Because you guys are UK based, correct? Yeah. So we're based in London. Uh, Cattle's from Scotland. Mm -hmm. So Sounder originally was a club brand. Really? Yeah. Back in the sort of late 70s. Uh, who was the fella that won the US Open? Andrew North, I think it was, using Sounder clubs. And Seve played Sounder clubs. Cool. Uh, actually, in the shop, I've got some of Seve's actual heads. That's really Sounder. cool. I want yeah. to come check those out. Uh, um, so Seve played Sounder clubs before he went to Slazenger. Um, and I always like when I was a kid, um, like in the early '90s, a lot of the good players at my club used Sounder. Sure. Um, and I just always liked it, and and I'd managed to talk Cathal into um, doing something in golf uh, because he he was quite reluctant because he just you know golf is not very cool, and he has a very cool brand. Um, <clears throat> so he was coming around to the idea, and we were talking about what we were going to call it. Mm -hmm. And I showed him this set of Sebi's heads with the Sounder logo and the star. We've adjusted that logo a sure. bit, um, and he just really loved it. And we just said, "Okay, let's call it." That's Sounder. really cool. So, I didn't know that. That, yeah. that story is great. So, so we started out about two years ago, and um, we were just making stuff. Which um, you know, we we were playing golf together, and we weren't wearing golf stuff. Sure. Um, and so we just started making stuff that we liked. You know, so we we wanted to make like initially just a really great polo. Mm -hmm. So that's our sort of that's our play well polo. It's got the cuff at the bottom. Um, which is a bit old school in a way, but you can wear it untucked or you can tuck it in. Sure. It's just a great cotton PK polo. We use natural fabrics. You know, we've got this beautiful treat chino called the Good Walk Chino, which is pleated. 
and it's got the jet pockets like the, you know, like the guys used to wear in the 90s. <laughs> nice. um, I live in those trousers. Cool. Um, you know, I live in our stuff on and off the course. I've never worn golf stuff off, off the golf course. Why, why is that? It's just... I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it's just like some of the stuff that, you know, people wear on the golf course, it's quite funky to go, go to a bar in on the way home. Isn't it? Like, <laughs> exactly. It's like, it looks completely normal on the golf. I mean, I remember when I was a kid and... Um, it was when Nick Faldo was winning majors, and I, I came across a photo at home the other day. And my brother was at Christmas Christmas lunch at our house. My brother was sat there wearing like the Pringle uh, waist uh, knitted waistcoat in pink, <laughs> right, with the old Pringle geometric Georgian. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. wow, we used to wear that stuff. And we wore it because Nick Faldo wore it. Sure. But if any of our friends from school had seen us wearing it, right. we'd have been freaking out. You know, we, could, we wouldn't go. My mum couldn't get us to go anywhere after golf. For sure. It's impossible. And it's fascinating to see just with golf style how it's evolved where, at least for me, like my approach is very similar to yours where I'm about simplicity and like that versatility on and yeah. off course. Um, do you guys see, and I mean, as, as fashion evolves on the course and off the course, do you find more consumers looking for those pieces in their wardrobe that just check more boxes? So we, uh, there's actually a blog uh, written by John Davey, one of our other partners in Sounder, on, mm -hmm. and he, he worked in marketing, he was very successful in marketing, and yeah. he played in a, a marketing golf society day, and he played with uh, somebody from an ad agency who um, was putting together an ad for Nike just before Tiger, mm -hmm. and it has the same music as the Tiger Hello World advert, Yeah, yeah. and it is, uh, it's got a few pros in it. But it's, it's, it's like he, he turned around to John and said, oh, you're talking about soulful golf. And Nike at that point when they were coming into golf were going to take golf down this route where it was all about the average golfer. Right. Um, and I can't, I, one of the quotes in the ad is something like, golf is an in invitation from your soul. Are you ready? You know, it was really like, it was, a, it was an amazing effort. You can get it on YouTube. Yeah. And then of course, Tiger came along and they completely shifted. Right. And that was that drive towards trying to see golfers as athletes. Which, you know, obviously today they are more athletic sure. than they were in the past. But that's, there's still another way of doing it. You know, <laughs> Shane Lowry still won the Open and is still a fantastic player. That's true. And certainly the players I like are the players who develop skill, you know, and the players who want to hit all the shots. Right. So I think that it runs through the whole game. Mm -hmm. um, and, and hopefully if, if we can present a different option, people might start to take a step back and you know, I'm not saying we're going to do that, but we can be a small part of that. For People sure. might start to take a step back and think, you know, why am I playing? Do I really want to kind of drive myself mad and be like the pros? <laughs> or do I want to go out there and have a good time right. and be creative? Yeah. And, you know, use golf as a practice. For sure. So, yeah. So uh, today is Tuesday. Um, practice round to tournament is about to kick off. So how long is the pop-up going to be here? So from a sounder perspective, we'll have the shop um, for as long as the hotel is open. Cool. Um, so Thursday, uh, for the days of the Open, Thursday to Sunday, we're doing an event out the back here. So we've got our big screen, nice. we've got nice drinks, and we've got nice bean bags, and, and thank God the weather's going to be The weather good. is yeah. great. The weather forecast is actually improving, Touchwood. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to be hanging out in the garden. Nice. Um, we've been told that we mustn't turn our music up too loud <laughs> already, <laughs> so that's fine. We're not going to. We don't want to disrupt the Open. Right. We love, uh, we love the old calls. We love St. Andrews. Sure. Um, but this is certainly uh, it's an amazing thing for us to be able to do. I mean, we we just were very lucky to get this opportunity, and, and my main you know my main stress is that we make the most of it, both in terms of having a good time um, and yeah. getting lots of people in here. And for sure, because it's ex it's an exciting experience. I mean, just being here, like for me, being from New York um, and like 
this the, the the design sensibility I think is interesting. Yeah. There's nothing else like this here. So I do think there are fans that will gravitate to this type of experience. And yeah. also like a lot of the stuff when the course closes it down after, I don't know, like once the last group is out, like can you you can't hang out in the No, well the tent I, all night. I I always think with opens I like to go Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. <clears throat> get a feel for it. Walk the course a little bit. Sure. But once the crowds get really big, it's yes. a bit difficult. Amazingly, mm-hmm. um when did Mickelson win at Muirfield? Two, was it 2013 or 2012? 12? I, I watched that yeah. whole final round mm-hmm. and didn't have to hustle to watch a shot. That's great. It's amazing how the RNA have really got their act together in terms of ticket sales. Um, because that was, I mean, that's an, to watch him play in that golf that close. Yeah. You know, you could hear the conversations between he and Bones. For sure. It was wicked. But you know, that certainly wasn't the case at Royal St. George's last year. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, one more question. Who do you think is going to win the Open? Um, weirdly, I've normally thought about this quite a lot, but I haven't thought about it that much. Um, Maybe give me three if you don't have one yet. I kind of think that it could. It's. I just. I just can't help but feel it's going to be a long, a very long hitter. Yeah. So mm. uh, I think Dustin might be. A little bit off the rails at the moment with his new live celebrations, so maybe not Dustin. <laughs> we'll probably, he'll probably be in here. Um, I'd like to think Rory's going to pull something out of the bag. I really would like to think that, but I, th- I think Rory, Justin, Thomas are probably a bit, a bit sort of uh, buzzed up at the moment, aren't they? Flying the flag for the PGA Tour. Yeah, so. I like that. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Thanks for the time. Pleasure. That was Thank fun. you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fair Game Podcast. If you haven't already, you can hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever service you may be using. You can also follow us on Instagram at Fair Game Golf and check out some original videos on our YouTube page. You can find all these links in the episode details below. Hope you guys are getting back on the course out there. We'll see you next time.